Harry Denman, the man with only one suit. Harry Denman was a Methodist lay leader and evangelist whose life exemplified Jesus' teachings from his Sermon on the Mount. Harry usually only had one pair of shoes, he only had one suit, and he never wore a watch because he liked to ask people for the time as a way of starting a conversation with people. When people would gift Harry clothes, he would often turn around and give those clothes away to the needy. He served as a secretary for the Department of Evangelism in the Board of Missions of the Methodist Episcopal Church South. He was the General Secretary of the Commission on Evangelism. He was responsible for the publication of the devotional resource, The Upper Room. He played a part in incorporating the Foundation for Evangelism. And he was also instrumental in establishing the International Prayer Fellowship, which is an organization that was headquartered at Lake Junaluska. In addition, he served as a member of several jurisdictional conferences and general conferences as well. Billy Graham once called Denman one of the greatest mentors for evangelism. So join us on this historical episode of the Methodical Methodist Podcast as we explore the life and ministry of Harry Denman. Hello and welcome to the Methodical Methodist Podcast a podcast where we talk about why the church is still relevant for us today as we explore themes connected to religion, politics, pop culture, faith, and yes, even the church. Together, we can find out what it means to live into the mission of the church by making disciples. Now, let's get methodical. Hey everyone, I'm your host, the Reverend Andrew Lay. I know it's been a while since I've put a podcast episode out, but it's good to be back. And hope that you might check us out on social media. Find us on facebook.com slash methodicalpod. You can also find us on Instagram as well, at methodicalpod. And let's jump into today's episode. Harry Denman was born on September 26, 1893, to Hattie Leonard and William Henry Denman. His parents immigrated from Gloucestershire, England, to Birmingham, Alabama, before Harry was born. His father worked as a molder in a foundry, but when Harry was only nine years old, his father just up and left. Later, as an adult, Harry learned that his father had gone to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and worked as a foundry worker there, and he had pretty much just abandoned his family and never returned to Birmingham. We don't know a lot about Harry Denman's early years. Part of that is because Harry was so private, and he often diverted attention away from himself and on to others instead, but we do know that he left school at the age of 10 to support himself and his mother. In an article he wrote, he said this, I remember when I was a boy in Smithfield, Every Saturday afternoon, my responsibility was to go to St. Paul's Church with old newspaper and clean the oil lamps. I was the maintenance man. I rang the bell on Sunday and Wednesday night. The big old bell would lift me from the floor, but I always came back down. (laughs) His Sunday school teacher, Miss Minnie E. Kennedy, 
encouraged him along with his pastor, the Reverend L.C. Branscombe, to go back to school and finish his education. He had gone to work for the Tennessee Coal and Iron Company, and then later on he would go and work as the secretary of the Birmingham Sunday School Council for whopping $30 a month. And he worked there until 1919 when he became the business manager for the First Methodist Episcopal Church South in Birmingham. And he stayed there until 1938, almost 20 years. At that time, he was then elected secretary for the Department of Evangelism in the Board of Mission of the Methodist Episcopal Church South in Nashville, Tennessee. But Harry did have a late start with his education due to his family situation. He started preparatory school at the age of 22, and he went on to Birmingham Southern College, where he received a Bachelor of Arts in 1921, and then received a master's education in 1930. And Harry talks about the struggle that he had with his education, and he writes this about that. I entered first-year preparatory school in Birmingham College in September 1915. I wanted an education, so I quit my job for a part-time job, which paid one-third of what I had been making. The slow pace of college discouraged me. I wanted to go back to the business world. One morning, I stood in the chapel looking out the window trying to decide what to do, and an upperclassman came and stood by me and said, Harry, we're glad you've entered school. We're going to stay by you. You have our prayers and our help. And he walked away. That's when I decided to stay. That upperclassman was Bachman G. Hodge, who would later become a bishop in the Methodist Church. And because of Bishop Hodge, Harry Dimon kept at it. He wrote once later in life that he worked incredibly hard for six long years to get his education. He stayed extremely busy, so much so that when he was 45 after he moved to Nashville, a woman wrote to him and she said that she was worried that he had not yet married. And Harry Dimon replied, I think I'm a little bit old and I've lost my nerve. And then he added that the well-known evangelist Gypsy Smith had finally got married, so perhaps he wasn't old enough. As the business manager of a large metropolitan church, he organized an older boys' council, a girls' class, recreational activities for young people, and he worked for the establishment of Camp Winnetasaka. He was very well known for his hard work and dedication. In fact, he was awarded two honorary doctorates, one from Athens College in Athens, Alabama, and another from UHA Women's University in Seoul, Korea. He was well known by many in the church. He served as a delegate to the Southeastern Jurisdictional Conference in 1940, 1944, and 1952. And he also served to the General Conference in 1934 and 1938, 1939, 1940, and 1952. He served in so many positions and roles in the life of the church. He, he served as the secretary for the Department of Evangelism and the Board of Missions of the Methodist Episcopal Church South. He was named the secretary of the Commission on Evangelism in 1939. And he was named general secretary for the General Board of Evangelism of the Methodist Church. He was a very organized and structured leader. He almost single-handedly grew the General Board of Evangelism from one man and a secretary working in a tiny little office to an organization of 250 people with building headquarters worth more than $2 million. 
and this building also housed the publishing company, The Upper Room. Harry brought missionaries from Argentina, Peru, Africa, India, Burma, the Philippines, Korea, Japan, Hong Kong, and England. And he also supported evangelistic missions to Cuba, South America, Asia, India, and Africa. It's amazing because despite his high positions in the church, he never let it go to his head. He, he was always known as simply Harry. He was quick to accept preaching engagements in churches of all sizes, large and small. And Harry Dimon was like a machine. You know, as I was reading about him, it was just insane uh, to hear about his work schedule. He worked all the time. When people asked him why he never took a vacation, he always replied, I have a vacation all the time. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So I have a vacation 365 days of the year. I'm trying to do what I believe the Lord wants me to do. And that just sounds awful to me. <laughs> it's kind of no wonder this guy never got married. But the guy loved working. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about that famous line from Stephen King's uh, The Shining. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> but it really does seem like Harry Dimon just loved his job. He traveled around and preached all the time. And apparently in one 48-hour period, he spoke in five states, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Indiana. And then two months later, between Monday and Friday noon, he spoke in Texas, Mississippi, Kentucky, Georgia, Alabama, and Pennsylvania. I mean, this guy was always on the move. He carried his wardrobe and all of his office supplies in his briefcase when he traveled. He was always ready for work at any moment's notice. And he was notorious for working crazy hours. He would stay up miss entire nights of sleep. He would uh, sometimes go to bed at 6 p.m., sleep till midnight, and then resume working <laughs> at midnight. Six hours is enough sleep for anyone, he often declared. Um, and here I am going to have to respectfully disagree with Harry Denman. I definitely need more than six hours. But Harry Denman was just full of energy. Biographer Harold Rogers said it best, there was only one of Harry Denman though sometimes it appeared that he was quadruplets. I mean, this guy was just non-stop. And one thing that is synonymous with Harry Denman is the term evangelism. My annual conference gives out the Denman Evangelism Award every year. Denman was primarily known for his work as an evangelizer. In his report to the annual meeting of the General Board of Evangelism in 1949, he wrote this, Today, the only way we can see love is to see it wrapped up in a person. This is true faith. The only way we can see Christ is to see him wrapped up in a person. Evangelism can only be seen in a person. We need to become a package of love, a package of faith, a package of Christ. Then we will be a package of evangelism. He would constantly emphasize the importance of reaching out to people. He would often say, if the church is to survive, the church must want people. It must make people welcome. It must love people. And Denman would evangelize to everyone. He would share with the bartenders, airline pilots, housewives, taxi drivers. He talked to just about anybody. He would talk to them about their personal relationships with God. 
And he was just a master at connecting with people, getting to know people, building relationships with people, and praying with people. One bishop remarked, Harry Denman can ask a waitress in her in a restaurant about her spiritual life more easily than many preachers can raise the question in the privacy of a member's home. One time when Harry was in Illinois, he was eating breakfast at a local diner, and he asked a waitress about her wedding band, and he inquired about her family. And when she told him that she had a husband and a baby daughter, he asked where they went to church, and she gave the name of the church, but she added that she didn't have a lot of opportunities to go on Sunday mornings because of her job. And Harry asked, Have you had your daughter baptized? We want to, she replied, but we haven't been able to make those arrangements again because of my work. Before he left the restaurant that morning, he had talked with the owner of the diner and arranged for the waitress to have the next Sunday off so that she could have her baby baptized. And there are just dozens of stories like this. Harry Denman had a heart for all people. And he had an incredible ability to love and never judge people as bad. He he would often say, So often we church people look down our noses when someone does something of which we disapprove. We just hug ourselves a little tighter and think how wonderful we are. Of course, there are many things which we cannot approve. But if we are true to Jesus' commands, we must still love the person. Denman was concerned about the future of the church, and he saw membership dipping. When he was 80 years old, he was speaking in Dallas, Texas, and he said this, We can study more books and do less than any crowd I know. Our trouble is we don't believe people need Jesus Christ, but I still look to him for the answer. The great thing about Jesus is that he didn't have any committee. He didn't have any organization. He had time to visit. Oof, I mean, those, those words convict me. I know as a, as a pastor, I don't do enough visiting. I'm, I feel like I'm so busy sometimes writing sermons, sending emails, leading Bible studies. But I, I don't often just stop and visit with people on the street or in the grocery store or in people's homes. I don't, I don't often have an opportunity to really you know, enter into people's lives in the way that Harry Denman was able to do that. But it's interesting because Harry Denman, even though he did a lot of pastoral work, he was never actually ordained or licensed as a minister. He always remained a layperson. But nevertheless, a group of bishops asked him to leave his job as the business manager of a church in Birmingham and to take a place in the general church. And Denman said, I told him I was not an ordained man. I didn't even have a license to preach. But Bishop Paul Kern spoke up and said, Harry you can make a little talk. With a smile, Harry Denman added, that's what I've been doing ever since, just making little talks. Harry Denman did more than just make a little talk. He lived to preach. He made several major addresses to the general conference, to jurisdictional conferences, to annual conferences, to convocations. He loved preaching, and he was good at it. Uh, One longtime friend of Denman said, if Harry could drop dead in the pulpit... He would be happy. (laughs) But, you know, Harry uh, didn't just preach in the pulpit. He preached everywhere he went. He would share the word in his letters and staff meetings and articles and meditations that he wrote. He could even find ways of preaching the word in casual conversation. It almost seems like his actual entire life, his entire being, was 
this way of, of preaching and the way that he lived his life. But in one sermon from 1938, he preached a message urging the importance of unity in the church. He said, I stand here today to plead for union because in the name of our Christ and our church, we can go into every American city, into every American village, into every American town, out onto the roadside and preach the gospel to thousands who need the gospel today. I do not want a united church that is going to be institutionalized. I want a church that is going to be on fire for Jesus. And it's interesting to see how the church in 1938 was really dealing with issues of disunity from a split that occurred years earlier in 1844 over slavery. This is a year before the church, South and North, joined back together and formed the Methodist Church in 1939. And it's 30 years before the Uniting Conference, which formed the new United Methodist Church later on. But Harry Denman had a great heart, and he cared about the church, and he cared about people, and he, he didn't hold a lot of value in materialism. He didn't care much about earthly wealth, and in fact, some believe that Harry Denman was the inspiration for the song, I've Only Got One Suit, That's All I Can Wear. Sometimes when he would invite people on the street to go to church, they would reply, I'm not dressed good enough to go to church. And Harry would always answer, well, look at me. You're dressed as good as I am. (laughs) And apparently one time he was returning from a trip where he traveled around the world, and he confused the custom inspectors, the TSA agents, uh, when he only had one briefcase and no luggage. They asked, where is the rest of your baggage? And he said, that's it. And the inspectors persisted, but I mean, the things that you checked, those things that you took with you and the things that you bought with while you were gone on your trip. And Harry simply replied, that's all I took. I didn't buy anything. When talking about that incident later, he said, I guess the inspector thought I should travel like the couple that I saw in a hotel in Baltimore. They had 10 suitcases and two bellboys were trying to load them onto the elevator. I asked a bellboy who was carrying my briefcase if they were going to live there. He informed me that they were just going to spend the night, one night. Then he looked at me and asked if the one briefcase was all that I had, and when I told him it was, he wanted to know how long I was staying. When I told him a week, he said, a week? Then you have more coming. I said, I didn't know where it would come from. I didn't leave anything behind. That's all he had, just that one briefcase that he took into the hotel to stay for an entire week. Harry was known for wearing only one suit, owning only one overcoat, and only having one pair of shoes. When he would wear holes in in the soles of his shoes, he would fold up newspaper to keep his feet off the ground until someone badgered him long enough for him to actually go back out to a, a shoe store and buy a new pair of shoes. Harry didn't like to carry watches because he traveled so much and the time was always changing. He would just look for clocks on the wall or he would strike up conversations with strangers asking about the time. One time he said, you can't concentrate when you're worrying about the time. Besides, it's bad for the health to be so impatient. So he just kind of, you know, never wore a watch, didn't care about it. But one of the defining characteristics of Harry Denman, other than his avoidance of materialism, was his heart for social justice. Harry preached in his home state of Alabama, in Birmingham, and he pointed out some of the injustice that he was witnessing, saying, I can speak here, but Martin Luther King Jr. cannot. Why? 
because his skin is dark. Jesus could not speak here because his skin was dark. Some of his friends believe that it was these kind of remarks that cost him election as a delegate to the upcoming jurisdictional and general conferences, an honor that he had received numerous times before. But Demon didn't care. On January 19, 1974, he gave this interview for the United Methodist Reporter about his hometown of Birmingham, Alabama, where he said this, I was on the board of education of that county. I saw the sins we committed. We took money from blacks and spent it on white children. How we pay black teachers low salary. Their buildings were awful. It was almost nauseating. I lived with the Ku Klux Klan. They ran the state. Elected our governors and senators. I lived with that. I saw it. Demon also spoke against anti-Semitism, saying this, I think we must remember Jesus was a Jew. It is strange how much prejudice we can have against Jews, but at the same time say we love Christ. He followed all the Jewish practices and customs, and he knew the law. In fact, he was the son of the law. Jesus was a Jew. We sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, but do we mean it? Do we love a Jew? Harry Dimon actually became pen pals with Martin Luther King Jr. He never backed down from speaking of the importance of social justice. And he once said, We want the church in the community, but we don't want Christ in the community. I say all of this from the pulpit, and people do not like me for saying it. Yet I'm going to continue to say it. Harry Dimon lived out his faith, did what he believed was right, and worked constantly. When he reached his mandatory retirement at the age of 72 in April 1965, he was actually preaching halfway around the world in India. (laughs) He often remarked that his home address was in Nashville, but he was never there. He was always out in the world preaching and teaching. He said, I do not have a home. I do not have any relatives. I do not have an office. I go from place to place, from city to city, from motel to motel, from person to person, witnessing for our Lord Jesus Christ. In August 1967, Harry developed a blood clot on his brain and he underwent surgery for its removal. But then he was right back out on the road. Even though later on he would develop some complications, he continued to push himself and work until he eventually died in November 8th, 1976 in Birmingham, Alabama at the age of 83. Harry Denman was a saint of the church. He saw the importance of loving people the way Jesus called us to love them. And he showed his faith through the way he lived his life. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Methodical Methodist Podcast. If you have enjoyed this show, I hope you might consider heading on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review of the show. It is very much appreciated. And until next time, stay methodical.